I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 282 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, we paid our respects to our veterans of the country this past weekend and on Monday for Veterans Day, but helping veterans and thanking them is a year-round way of life for today's guest. Glenn Banton is the CEO of OSD, or Operation Supply Drop, which has served over 1 million veterans since 2010. Glenn will be here with me in just a few minutes to talk about it, so please stick around for the interview. And speaking of veterans, don't miss out on this week's Frogman Friday edition of First Class Fatherhood, which will feature Gunnar Hansen, a retired Navy SEAL turned pastor. All right, so believe me, that is a conversation you don't want to miss out on. And I cannot say thank you enough to all of you listeners out there from all over the country and all over the world. First Class Fatherhood is now a top 10 parenting podcast in the Netherlands, as well as a top 10 parenting podcast in France. All right, we're in the top 50 in Germany and Russia as well. So we are getting around. Word is getting out here about First Class Fatherhood. So I cannot say thank you for all of your help in making that possible. Next week, I will be having five fresh episodes for you guys before I break it off for Thanksgiving. So make sure you follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace for all the upcoming guest announcements. In December, I'll be doing a countdown of my top 10 most downloaded episodes of 2019. I'm also going to open up a vote for you listeners out there. This way you could tell me which interview you enjoyed the most this year. There were some great ones for you guys to listen in. So lock it into my Instagram account at Alec underscore Lace. And don't forget, this week I'm being brought to you by Redcon One. Visit Redcon1.com and use the promo code FATHER to receive 20% off your order. Redcon One sponsored athlete Brian Shaw joined me yesterday on the podcast. If you missed out on my conversation with the four-time world's strongest man, I highly recommend you flip it back one episode and take a listen. And if you could, please share this podcast with every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list. Let them know about the show that celebrates fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with the CEO of OSD, Glenn Banton. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Dads, are you tired of taking supplements that never deliver? Well, Redcon One was created to ensure that you get real hardcore products that deliver real results. Trusted by four-time world's strongest man, Brian Shaw, and founded by supplement entrepreneur, Aaron Singerman, Redcon One is crushing the industry. You have to try their MRE bars, which are packed full of nutritious food sources that will replenish your system when you need it most. And they taste so good, your toddler will think they're eating a candy bar. But we're talking whole food meal replacement. And right now, First Class Fatherhood listeners can save 20% on their entire order from Redcon 1. Simply use the promo code FATHER at the checkout. So let's go, dads. For the highest state of readiness, choose Redcon 1. Visit Redcon1.com, use the promo code FATHER, and save 20%. Right. Joining me now, First Class Father, Glenn Banton. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Hey, thank you for having me, brother. All right, let's start here. How many kids do you have and how old are they? I've got two. I've got a daughter that's 16 and I have a son that is 12. Okay, very cool. What type of sports or activities you got him into? Uh, let's see, let's start my son. Lacrosse is really what I have him into. Um, I was a basketball player uh, and you know, my wife didn't want me uh, coaching him in ba- basketball and discovered lacrosse three, four years ago. I think it's probably one of the best sports on the planet. 
Um, and he does a lot of volunteer work and community work as well. And then my daughter, she's absolutely incredible. I mean, she's all around, lots of leadership uh, activities at school. Um, you know, knock on wood, she should be valedictorian when she graduates. And, you know, just really trying to be a, a standout in the school. Yeah, that's incredible, Glenn. Yeah, and, and lacrosse has certainly taken off here in the last decade or so and has become very popular in high schools and colleges now all over. Absolutely. No, I, it's one of those things. I mean, I actually went to high school in Massachusetts, so you would think I would have, you know, I would have been around lacrosse, but our school is small and they picked ice hockey over, uh, over lacrosse, and we discovered it uh, down here in Texas a number of years ago. And, I, and again, I like the traditional side of lacrosse and rugby, you know, some of these, these sports that are, you know, we'll call them pure in some cases. Um, but when I was watching uh, lacrosse and went up for the first time, and I'd seen it, but I was watching the defensive schemes and I realized, wait a second, this is literally basketball with sticks in your hand. And my favorite part of basketball was defense, and so I actually stepped up and uh, started coaching on defense using a lot of the same schemes. And boy, howdy, is it a blast to uh, play in such a fast sport. A little bit of hitting, lots of, uh, you know, lots of teamwork, lots of field vision. I'd recommend it to anybody. Yeah, very cool. All right, Glenn, if you could, just please take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Yeah, I guess uh, the, the easiest way to say it, so I'm, I'm the CEO of a uh, veteran support ecosystem. It's a nonprofit called OSD. Um, we're actually super thrilled. We just hit our, our million serve milestone uh, recently. Uh, but we're an organization that supports active military uh, and veterans and their families across three pillars, which is uh, social connectivity, professional development, and community service really trying to provide a sustainable network or, again, ecosystem that allows these individuals to thrive over time. So that's my main uh, thing that I, I focus on. Um, I kind of have a, a weird background jumping around from all sorts of different things. Mainly, I'd say they, they fall into people, uh, process, and problem solving, and, you know, things like, you know, designing smart weapon systems or even developing cool software for the likes of Disney and Fox. Uh, but, again, I'd like to do cool things, work with some great people, and today it's really about giving back and supporting our veterans in that community. Yeah, that's awesome. Very well said, Glenn. And, um, how about how old were you when you first became a dad, and how did becoming a father kind of change your perspective on life? Shoot, man. Um, let's see. How old was I? I guess I was 20, 22 years old when my, my daughter was born. Um, and, I mean, it, it changes a lot. I mean, the, the main thing is it's, it's motivation um, every single day for what you should be focusing on. And, you know, for me, it, it really came down to where can you take those, those risks uh, from a, a financial, from a professional perspective. And, and mind you, at 22 years old, that's, you know, it can be a hard pill to swallow for some. You know, but for me, though, it, it really just kind of set me on the right path to say, you know what, I want to hustle. I want to make sure I can support my family. And, you know, I can still take risks, but at the same time need to have kind of that foundation for, you know, growing. And that looks like, you know, taking some jobs that I probably really wouldn't have liked to otherwise. But, you know, my passion at that point was taking care of my family, not the job itself. But over time, you know, through that hard work and dedication and you know, I, I just say a lot of, you know, personal awareness and really having a supportive family, uh, it's allowed me to, you know, find these other types of roles that are fulfilling that end up feeding back into, I think, inspiring, you know, my kids and just our family as a whole to do incredible things as they get older. Yeah, very cool, Glenn. And, and I know, you know, talking about veterans here, I, I have a lot of veterans on the podcast, as you know. And, and one thing about veterans, kind of like what we were talking earlier there about NFL players, is 
growing up, the NFL players are always older than you, so you're always kind of looking up to them. And same thing with veterans. A lot of times we think of veterans, you think of Vietnam veterans, World War II veterans. But right now, the majority, there's hundreds of thousands of veterans that are in their 20s and 30s. Uh, so it's my generation of veterans here that are coming up. And what are the biggest challenges that you're seeing that are facing our generation's veterans? Yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, there's a lot of them. You know, I'd say broad stroke, obviously, mental health and wellness over time is, is probably the biggest one. Um, I'd arguably say, though, that's probably just a broad cultural challenge. Um, but even mixed into that is it's cultural or public perception of what is a veteran. I mean, that, that's the question we always ask internally with my leadership team. Um, and we're made up of, you know, veterans and civilians and, you know, interested parties. And we just want to figure out, like, what does that look like? What are we trying to paint that picture of who is a veteran? Not so much, like, obviously, did you serve? That's what made you a veteran. But what does that look like? And you have this this really broad spectrum from, you know, the, the vet bro side, as some people say, all the way over to, you know, your, your white collar, very successful um, business owner, you know, many of which I think if I recall, uh, you know, the founder of, uh, of FedEx is even, is even a veteran. A lot of people don't realize this. And so we're trying to really define what that looks like, you know, to the public because that then is going to influence how the public reacts, whether it's through policy or just, you know, one-on-one peer-to-peer help, you know, towards this generation. Uh, but the main thing I'm really seeing is at the end of the day, at scale, you know, a, a veteran is like, is as diverse as anybody else. You know, oftentimes we see, you know, or hear that a corporation wants to go hire a thousand or five thousand veterans. And I push back and say, well, really what you're saying is I want to hire, you know, a thousand or five thousand humans. Um, and I don't say that to diminish the service. I say that to somebody who doesn't understand. If you lined up that many veterans, you're going to get this massive, diverse, you know, viewpoints, um, series of circumstances. Um, you know, it could be somebody that went and enlisted when they were 18 versus somebody that enlisted, you know, when they're almost 30, you know, those sorts of things. So really what it comes down to is, I believe, from a community building perspective as well as from a service perspective, we have to come to where the veteran is. We need to understand the individual and the individual's needs, and that takes a lot of effort, or as we say, you know, it's one plus one times infinity, and figuring out what works, learn from it, and, you know, keep pushing forward with, again, this commitment to a sustained approach that allows these, you know, individuals and their families to thrive over time. Yeah, very well said, Glenn. I think you're right there, too. I think a lot of times we put veterans in a box and just kind of like that's, we identify them as veteran and it stops there where there's a multifaceted amount of people, men and women of all ages and races and religions that serve. So uh, it's a very wide scope. And I know that that number of uh, 22 vets a day committing suicide has been around for quite a while now. Has there been any improvement, or are those numbers still around the same? Yeah, that's something I'm, I'm always trying to look in and figure that out. I mean, statistics are, are an interesting thing. You know, you, you hear that that number is anywhere from 18 to 35. But I think, too, you know, looking at that number might, you know, might be the wrong target, to be, to be bluntly honest. I mean, you know, really, if you dissect that, you know, when an individual considers, you know, suicide or takes their life, veteran or otherwise, it's typically at these turning points in their life. You know, it's these massive points of transition. And underlying, you know, at least what I've seen in that 18 to 22 number is the largest percentage of those are actually older veterans. You know, it would be that Vietnam uh, veteran era. You know, mind you, yes, as much as that might be behind the statistics, I can think of, you know, numerous uh, individuals in the community that have, you know, sadly taking their lives that are younger. You know, they're in that, you know, 20, 30-year-old uh, range, but that's what we see in front of us. So, 
you know, really what we want to figure out to hammer out is it's not so much like how do we use social media to cut and paste these, hey, you know, if, if you ever need something, you can always reach out to me. You know, respectfully to anybody that does that, I don't think they're doing that as in a hurtful or malicious way, but the way to reach out is to develop strong friendships and relationships with, you know, a, a you know, smaller group of people or as many as you can manage, and you reach out to them. Don't reach out. Don't wait for the person to reach out to you. It's our job to care for our friends. And if you have somebody that's struggling or that's hurting, you need to check in with them. And I think a lot of that, too, when we look at, you know, even tying this back into to fatherhood and the broader society, is these are the things we need to teach our kids. I mean, there's a mental health epidemic and, you know, depression epidemic just, you know, broadly in society. And the, the massive way to potentially solve that is reminding us all that life is about you know, connecting ideally in close proximity to one another, and then we can use tools like, you know, social media and whatnot to connect in between those times. But if we're not really getting to know one another, you know, sharing in experiences and activities and building these relationships, I think we're going to continue to hurt and we're going to continue to have these challenges with, you know, mental health and ultimately, sadly, with suicide. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, very well said too, Glenn. And and how about as far as... um. I know one of the best things, you know, for parents they can do with their kids is volunteer together. It's a great experience to, to have with your children. If there are parents out there that are interested in helping veterans or volunteering in some way with their kids as a family, what's the best way, you know, for a dad to bring his family to, to volunteer to help out the vets? Yeah. I- Hey dads, are you looking to boost your energy level? Strikeforce Energy has got you covered. With a Strikeforce Energy Packet, you can turn any beverage into an energy drink. Their original energy packets contain no sugar, no calories, just an explosion of energy and flavor added to any beverage. Strikeforce Energy is veteran-owned, and all their products are made right here in the United States. Co-founded by Navy SEAL Sean Matson, Strikeforce Energy blows away the energy drink competition. Right now, First Class Fatherhood listeners can save... 15% off their purchase by visiting StrikeForceEnergy.com and using the promo code FATHERHOOD. Strikeforce Energy turns any beverage into an energy drink. Get yours today. StrikeForceEnergy.com, promo code FATHERHOOD. Volunteering in some way with their kids as a family, what's the best way you know, for a dad to bring his family to, to volunteer to help out the vets? Yeah, you know, I think some of the easy ones is, you know, see if there's a veteran's home uh, somewhere nearby or, you know, a a VFW hall and and reach out. A lot of it is just getting your kids around that, you know, listening. You know, you you mentioned, yes, we think of veterans as kind of this older generation. There's some younger ones. uh, But I think one of the most interesting ways we can introduce kids to that world is by also hearing some of the older ones because there's that level of, of wisdom that's shared by not just the service but then, also just the, the time in their life uh, and, and being able to really dig in and, and feel and hear those stories. Um, but, yeah, I'd say really aside from that, it's just a matter of, you know, you can uh, reach out to, you know, your local city or your local town, ask what other types of uh, veteran organizations exist, or, you know, if you can't find that, you can always reach out to, to OSD, you know, visit our website, weareosd.org, go to contact us, and if we don't have something where you live, uh, we'll do our best to see if we can find something nearby. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm definitely going to drop a link to, you know, in the description of this podcast episode so my listeners can just get over there and check you guys out. 
And I'll tell you what, Glenn, one of the best things that I ever see on social media, which is so full of a lot of garbage and just harmful information there, but one of the best things we ever see on there is when the, you know, the serviceman or woman comes home and, and surprises his child you know, with a visit or his spouse. And I think they're the best videos that we see. Are there any programs that are specifically designed to help the veterans that are fathers or are parents in general the, that are uh, coming home and been away from their kids for so long? Um, I can't think of any specific names off the top of my head, but I will say, you know, our organization and many have, have taken that as just something that we really need to focus on. It's the family unit. So even when we, you know, continue to grow and evolve OSC over the years, uh, you know, the, the main thing, the, the big words at the top of the whiteboard probably four or five years ago was family, 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 family over and over and over again. Because you know, if I look at even you know, some of the challenges with uh, retention in the military, a lot of them trickle back into is the family happy. And I think a lot of the general public fails to realize that the, the spouse and kids at home, their happiness, their, able, their ability to find fulfillment is, is one of the biggest factors in allowing a service member to stay in. And, you know, between you and I and everybody that thinks about it, I want the service member that's been serving for 10 or 20 years at that point where they could become, you know, truly a lifer, I want their acquired knowledge and wisdom to continue to be in the military to help, you know, train up that, that next generation. Um, but really, I think it's just a matter of finding organizations and you know, really looking at their mission and seeing how they're included. You know, you, you know, look at something simple like, you know, taking veterans hunting. You know, that's something you've seen as, as a very popular activity over the years, but, you know, some organizations, it's just about taking, you know, five veterans, you know, typically male, and you go hunt together, and, you know, when we look at it and when some other organizations look at it, we want to bring a spouse or the kids along because really it's how do we create new memories or for, you know, the service member, for the veteran and their family so that they can help. You know, if you will, you can't catch up for lost time, but at the same time, those experiences are what, again, start growing those bonds and allow you know, maybe some hurt or some distance that existed in the relationship while they were serving or while they were deployed to start healing. Yeah. yeah, and it's one of the reasons why I bring so many veterans on the show here just to share their fatherhood journeys because uh, I just understand as a dad the difficulty and challenges that come with some of the things and to have to, you know, sacrifice so much and to be away for so long and then try to play that catch-up role. I understand just, to, I mean, how difficult that could be, so... Uh, it's, now, how about bringing it back to you as a dad here? How about uh, your kids, Glenn? Are they uh, involved? Are they around the veteran community a lot with you, or do, or do they kind of uh, uh, stay away from? Do you keep them kind of separate from the OSD? They are they are constantly in it. I mean, I, I mean, part of it is I think it's hard hard for them to stay out of it uh, just because it, it's so enveloping. I mean, it's, if I had to look at time, I swear we spend probably eighty plus hours a week, um, at least waking hours, uh, working on OSD and, and the individuals and the families we serve. Uh, a lot of it with my daughter, I mean, she's helped with um, some, you know, content creation. She's come in and, you know, do some uh, some of the good, you know, blood, sweat, and tears type uh, volunteering, you know, in our warehouse and, and shipping and whatnot. Uh, she's gone out and helped us with some of the volunteer events in the community. My son, he, just, he loves to join the events. I mean, some of his just favorite people, interesting enough, are some of my buddies that are, you know, amputees. Uh, I think it's because, obviously, to a kid, and mind you, you know, what is he, 12 now, and I've been doing this with OSC for, like, six-plus years. So he's a six- or seven-year-old, and he's meeting, you know, these friends of mine that have bionic legs and bionic arms. Like, that's freaking cool. Like, that, that's a superhero, not just because 
they served superheroes, like they actually looked like it. You know, one of my buddies had a, you know, and I think these are becoming more prevalent, but his uh, prosthetic for his leg looked like a stormtrooper leg. And again, imagine what that looks like to a seven, eight or nine year old. And so he, he just likes to be around that stuff. Um, you know, loves him to death. My, my chief community officer, Scott Morrison, he's, he's one of my you know best friends at this point. My son loves him, thinks he's the coolest thing on the planet. And he's a, you know, 20 some odd plus year, uh, army, uh, veteran that came out of Delta. So it's just, I, I really love to have my kids around this, not just for the service side of things, but part of it too is being able to see and understand that all these veterans and their families and their situations and their kids are all different. And so we need to get to know each of them. And if I can teach my kids you know, one thing in the context of OSD, that, that would probably be it. Yeah, very cool. And, and the technology that we have today, Glenn, I think it's got to be helping. I, I speak with so many veterans that are active in trying to help other veterans uh, transition out of the military. And it seems like because of the, uh, the ability that we have to communicate, you know, through social media and through the Internet, it seems like it has to make it a little bit easier than it had to be years ago uh, for the veterans. How, how much does technology play a role in what you do? It plays a huge role, uh, and I, I would say, you know, when you look at things, you know, in transition, obviously going and finding a job is one of those big ones, and that's, I think, especially where platforms like LinkedIn and a lot of the veterans resiliency groups that come out of some of these corporations have played a massive role. I mean, you could go on to LinkedIn. Now, mind you, if you're a transitioning veteran, the main thing I point out is you, you the transitioning individual, still have the personal responsibility of doing the work. It does not come to you. You have to. You have to put in the work. And if you're sitting there and you tell me after two weeks, oh, I've applied to 500 different places, and I said, how? Well, I, I went to this website and pushed this button, pushed this push, and pushed this button. Somebody's messing you up because, you know, depending on the studies, up to 70% of available jobs aren't even published anywhere. And many that are published already have the person they want to hire, but because of HR rules and whatnot, they're going to go through the hiring process. So when it comes to the transitioning individual, most of the time should be spent networking and where these social media tools, again, if you take the time and the effort and the personal responsibility, you can reach out to whether it's veterans that have been there ahead of you, you know, civilians that uh, are, are very much invested in, you know, your future, reach out, ask for coffee, ask for calls, ask for, you know, connections. And so long as it's, it's genuine and you follow through and you're respectable, you can cover so much more ground than you could, you know, 10 plus years ago. I mean, that, that's where I think it's so incredible is you're able to cover ground, again, if you take the personal responsibility and the effort. Yeah, very cool. And speaking about the future here, what kind of plans or goals do you have here for yourself for the future, Glenn? Shoot, man, I'm just trying to <laughs> – I'm always trying to get one, one day at a time. I see, you know, big picture, um, really when it comes to, to kind of OSD and kind of the broader uh, addition to some of these other organizations I work with in the space, it, it's really pushing this, this narrative of how we, you know, how we approach and provide a sustainable um, ability to, to allow, again, I mean, keep using the word thrive, allowing our veterans and their families to thrive. I think there's been, you know, massive – steps forward when it comes to mental health and professional development in all these areas. But, you know, phase 3.0 is we need to look forward to when, you know, that 30-year-old are helping today. What are we doing to make sure they're squared away when they hit that, you know, 50, 60-year-old, you know, they're going to be retiring to hit that transition point to where they really feel like they're a part of things. But other than that, I'm always just trying to stay busy, you know, looking for, 
new and interesting business ideas, vetting them, getting involved, you know, finding ways that uh, others can fulfill their dreams and, and come up with uh, successful ways to take care of their own families. Good stuff. Last thing I'm going to hit you with here, Glenn, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Hey, the, the, probably the biggest piece of advice would be it is tough, but it's absolutely worth it. And the other one I share, because I have a 16-year-old daughter, and I say this constantly, knock it off with the whole daughters are tough. Daughters can be tough. They obviously can. But uh, I will say in, in my household, and a lot of it's due to how I believe myself and my wife uh, communicate with our kids, but my daughter is not that crazy teenage teenage girl. I mean, she's, she's really absolutely not. And there's just as many that are, you know, <laughs> a lot a lot more rooted and calm and not all those cliches that we see in, in TVs and movies. And I hear this with tons of new dads where, you know, they know they're having a daughter for the first time. They're freaking out because their mind's going immediately to the time when boyfriend's going to come to the door. And, uh, again, you just communicate, love on your kids, and, it, it's again, it's not easy, but it's absolutely worth it to be able to, uh, to raise kids and, and bring them up in a way that uh, we can all be proud of. Yeah, very well said. I love the advice. Uh, this has been an honor for me. i got to say, Glenn Banton, you're a first-class father, and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on First Class Fatherhood. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. i got to give a special thank you once again to Glenn Banton for giving me a few minutes of his time here. It was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me a DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. And make sure you check out the link in the description of today's podcast episode to check out OSD and find out more about them and what they're all about. Still a lot of action coming your way on the podcast here this week. Tomorrow on the show, NFL Super Bowl champion wide receiver Andre Risen stops by. And Friday, we have got a fresh Frogman Friday edition of First Class Fatherhood with former Navy SEAL turned pastor Gunnar Hansen. All right, that's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Tall as a tree, I saw feeling so.